So the title this morning uh, is A Praise-Filled Life, and when we hear such a title, we might be uh, tempted to think of it in a way that maybe you force yourself to not have any negative emotions, and everything somehow needs to have a, a positive spin, or perhaps you might be tempted to think that we need to live a life that to, for others, it always seems like we have everything sorted out. And um, it's actually really neither of those. To live that so-called perfect Christian life where nothing ever goes wrong, nothing gets us out of sorts, uh, nothing seems to uh, trip us up, that actually doesn't minister to people. There's only one person who lived a perfect life and his name is Jesus. And um, we, can't, we can't mimic that. But what we can do is we can worship him. What we can do is we can praise him. What we can do is we can trust him. What we can do is lay down our lives before him, for he's already laid down his life and given us eternal life. And it's actually an authentic pursuit of God that encourages others. It's when others see us going through a difficult time and yet we still praise. It's when others see us going through a time where we don't know what the answer is and yet we still sit at his feet. It's when others see us go through a time where it just feels like there's no end and there's darkness and we really do not know what to do. That when we still yet praise, it ministers to those. It is irrespective of circumstance that we praise. So I'm gonna be reading from Acts 16 and from verse 23. You can turn there so long, but as I share this morning, it's not a complete Bible study on praise or worship or praise-filled living, but instead, I want it to rather be an encouragement, an encouragement to you to live a praise-filled life. I'll be reading from the New King James Version from Acts 16, 23 to 30, and this is what it says. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into their inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I don't know about you, but maybe you felt that before, that whatever situation you went through, it felt like you were in prison and it even felt that, you were, that your feet were put in stocks, that you were stuck, that you couldn't move. It felt like it was a hopeless situation that you could not move from. But I want to tell you today that there is hope. From verse 25 it says, but at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do not harm, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? My first point is entitled, Praise Until Midnight. And, um, as we look there in the scripture in Act 16, what was happening was Paul and Silas were actually going about and living a life that was honoring to the Lord, they were sharing the good news, and in fact, it was a miracle that got them into jail, and this miracle happened to affect someone else's pocket, so they were angry about this. And as a result, they got into jail, they were beaten and put into stocks. And uh, when we think about a praise-filled life, we often think about what the good times and the high points, but it was living a life 
of following God that landed them up in this situation. So maybe the prison that you feel or the stocks that you feel, you go, but Lord, I was living my life for you. I was doing the right thing. I was being honorable and righteous. Why is this happening to me? And it wound you up in what feels like a prison. When it comes to having a praise-filled life, we might be tempted to think of it in an incomplete way. We might be tempted to think of it as a definition, a dictionary definition. So I thought to read to you the dictionary definition of praise, which I think is wholly inadequate when it comes to praising God Almighty. So here it is, it's two points. The first one, express warm approval or admiration of. The second point, express one's respect and gratitude towards God, especially in song. Now this is God Almighty, creator of all things. Lord Almighty, he made you, he made me, he's eternal, he was, he is, he is to come. Nothing can come close to him. Our brains cannot comprehend how big he is. I don't think that that is an adequate expression of praise. I want to give you a better definition. To long to love God and worthily praise him should mean more than the words you say. It should cost you everything. So I'm gonna read that again. To long to love God and worthily praise him should mean more than the words you say. It should cost you everything. And as we look in the scripture in Acts with Paul and Silas, it wasn't exactly the most comfortable of positions that they were in. Uh, in fact, I, I don't think any of us would uh, wish it upon ourselves to be in uh, a position uh, of such nature. But I want to highlight the fact that before they got into prison even, that there were many stripes on them. And uh, sometimes we will encounter resistance just by the mere fact of being believers. They were beaten to be intimidated. They were beaten so that they would not continue. Sometimes living a life after Christ and seeking him wholeheartedly and worshiping him and doing the right things might land us in trouble with those who are intimidated by that. You see, our faith does in, in fact cost us everything and a grain of wheat must die before it produces. But I think we're not always so comfortable with doing so, especially in a world that is so focused on comfort. Pastor Murray preached last week about a prepared heart and that we should prepare our hearts, we should separate ourselves for his holy purpose, that we should not let someone else go up the mountain, but go up the mountain ourselves. The veil has been torn, we need to seek the Lord ourselves, we need to have a tender heart towards the Lord and his word. We need to have a yearning to get to know the Lord. And I want to add that we need to be prepared to praise until midnight. Prepared to follow, to seek, to share, and even wait for the breakthrough and praise through it all. So verse 25 from Acts 16 says, but at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Do you know that when we go through a time of hardship and we praise, people watch us? Our praise can be a fragrance to others. It's a fragrance to God because it's a, it's a praise offering, but it's a fragrance to others where they encounter and see someone worshiping God Almighty despite the circumstances and it glorifies Christ. When we worship in the darkness, it glorifies Christ. A praise-filled life 
praises God saying, your will be done. And one of the examples where Jesus modeled this was at the Garden of Gethsemane, where he actually said, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me, but your will be done. He modeled us a life of praise in many other ways, but that's just one of, one of them. If I praise the Lord without surrender, then it's just a business idea. So I'm gonna say that again. If any of us praise the Lord without surrender, it's just a business idea. What we're doing it is it's a transaction. I praise, you give. It's never a transaction. It's I praise because of who you are. We praise him for who he is. Surrender precedes praise, and praise is not dependent on circumstance. Praise comes as a result of who God is. It's his, it's his character, it's who he is that causes us to praise. So, rather our hearts must be cleansed and our true intent must be to perpetually love him and praise him on this side of midnight when we might be experiencing pain or loss, knowing that midnight will come and that others will see Christ glorified. There are two things that I want to highlight concerning this uh, passage in Acts 16. The first is that while we might focus on the fact that they were released, they had to first wait before being released. And need I remind you that if you need release, then that tends to mean that you're in prison. So they first got themselves in there by following Christ, and then Christ or God undertook for them while they praised until midnight. They praised in the darkness and people watched and listened. Others were listening to them and our lives impact those around us. Do not be deceived into thinking that you can live a life and have people not watch you knowing that you're a believer. They watch and they are blessed when we praise in the darkness. And people especially watch how we respond to adversity. You see, so often we go into the workplace or we go into where we think we need to go and we actually try to approach things from a place of living a life of worldly success. But really what we should be seeking is to live a life of, of uh, eternal significance or godly significance. We need to realize, and I'm gonna read this section twice, and, and as I read it, take note, our passion for holiness our longevity and ability to endure difficult situations are equal to our awareness of eternity. Our passion for holiness and our longevity and ability to endure difficult situations are equal to our awareness of eternity. You see, Paul and Silas could praise and sing hymns in that prison because their awareness of eternity was greater than their awareness of the temporary around them. Their trust in God was greater than their trust in man. Their trust in God was greater than their fear in man. I want to tell anyone here who's maybe gripped by fear of man that trust the Lord, and as you trust the Lord, fear of man will disappear. Before midnight, they could praise because they were more aware of who God is than the difficulty than they were facing. A life of praise is a life lived knowing that God is bigger than any temporary pain, hardship, or discomfort that we will face. And that our response, therefore, is that we praise Him as Lord and Savior. On the other side of midnight, there was an earthquake 
On the other side of midnight, there was a release. But most importantly, on the other side of midnight, as a result of what happened and as a result of them praising God, a jailer and his family came to Christ. Someone experienced eternal life because of the hardship that Paul and Silas were going through. When we worship in the darkness, people come to Christ. So my question to you, is your life making other people take note? As we go through hardship, the way we respond to it, is it making other people take note? My second point is, who we worship determines who we trust. You know, when we admire someone, or we look up to someone, without knowing it, we can start to model ourselves in that area of our life like that particular person. When we spend time around a certain group of people and we keep spending time around them, what happens? We start to become more like them. I remember, so I was a very late bloomer and I didn't do any kind of sport when I was in school up until I was basically finished with school. And um, so in, uh, I was 17 and I, that was the first time I decided to actually try and kick a soccer ball. And uh, I remember when I started this, there was this one particular soccer player that I really admired. So I just happened to watch video clips of him, etc., and not intentionally, but what started to happen is as I played more and more with my friends at that stage, they started going, do you realize you're playing like that guy? And sometimes what we don't realize is that unknowingly we worship an idol. And unknowingly we become like that idol. So if your idol is mammon, is money, what starts to happen is your dependence comes from the economy. If your idol is um, the way people see you and the, the, uh, you know, having, having a so-called influence and having people admire you, then everything you do will be based on what people think. But if you worship God, you trust Him. We become like that which we worship. And in our case, we become like who we worship. We need to keep that fascination with God. He's God Almighty, he created each and every one of us, he's with us, he never leaves us nor forsakes us, he gives us strength, he has good plans for us, he's created us for a purpose and a divine plan, he's gone before us and made our path straight. We need to be fascinated with the fact that Jesus Christ, Son of God, became God incarnate, died on the cross for our sin, resurrected, and now gives us the ability to have his authority and have eternal life. If we lose this fascination with this God who's bigger than we can comprehend, what starts to happen is we start to depend on our own devices. And I want to tell you right now that when we trust and depend on earthly and man-made things, it will always let us down. And there's only one who's bigger than anything we may face, and his name is Jesus. In Acts 5, verses 40 to 42, it's the apostles getting themselves in trouble again for sharing the gospel. They made a habit of that. And uh, it says this, and they agreed with him, and when they called for the apostles and beaten them, they beat them again to intimidate them, to no longer speak in the name of Jesus. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And then verse 42, they continued daily in the temple and in every house. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. 
The reason they could do that is that the posture of their heart was towards the Lord. Their awareness of who God is was greater than their fear of man. Their trust was in God and not in man. They knew that they, if they kept on walking with God, irrespective of whatever they go through, the Lord will be with them. See, the posture of our heart determines who we listen to and who or what we worship. And I want to tell you today that you can do all the right things in a church service, worshiping, where someone can look, look at you and go, wow, that person really loves Jesus. But when you walk out of this auditorium, if your trust is in, in the economy, if your trust is in the things that you've learned so that you can do well at work, I'm telling you now, you're not worshiping God, but you're worshiping those things. Our trust needs to be in the Lord, and our posture of heart needs to be towards Him. You see, our authentic worship is exposed when a difficulty comes across, because that's when we discover what or who we trust. Our authentic worship is exposed when we go through difficulty, because we then realize who we really trust. And when times get tough, we need to turn to God. We should draw near to Him when times are good, so that when times are tough, His word comes out of us. His spirit leads us, and we're attentive to what he's saying. Trust in God is what opens the supernatural grace and ability to live like Jesus. We may know much of what the Bible says about how we should live, but if we don't trust Christ, we will not have the supernatural grace and ability to live like Jesus. It starts with trust in him. In this message, I'm using praise to include the act of worshiping. It's not simply the high-paced songs that are praise and the slow-paced songs that are worship, but every part of our life is praise and worship, or should I say, can be praise and worship. We need to look out for the opportunity to worship God, look out for the opportunity to praise His name, look out for the opportunity to hear His voice, look out for the opportunity to respond to what His Spirit is leading us into, look out for the opportunity to share with others who Christ is, even if we don't use a scripture reference. It's because of who we are. There's no sacred and secular divide. When we've come to Christ, when we've bowed our knee, and we have declared that Jesus Christ is Lord, that is when we step into eternity. We don't step into eternity when we pass away here. Eternity has already been and will always be. It's eternity. God made time for us. When we step into eternity, it's when we come to Christ. So why then do we wait for later to worship him in all that we do? Why then do we wait for later to do the things that we should be doing? It's now. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not yet to come. It is at hand. His kingdom is here. And as we live out as citizens of the kingdom of God, we need to live it out daily in all that we do. We need to share with others who God is all the time, wherever we are, because it's who we are. We are children of God. Don't leave it simply for the church or a life group meeting or a prayer meeting. But in everything that you do, as you go to work, as, as you spend time with family, as you are with, just by yourself, praise the Lord and live your faith out. Do not lose the fascination with God Almighty. Hebrews 11 verse one says, now the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by, by it the elders obtained a good testimony. 
you jump to verse six of that passage and it says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. As we have faith in the Lord and we're willing to see things as he sees them and do things as he would like us to do, I want to tell you that when you go through those downs, that time of hardship, do as David did and encourage yourself in God. There are quite a few examples of how David did that. One of them is Psalm 42 and another one is 1 Samuel 30 where David didn't know what to do. So what he did was he encouraged himself in God. John 12, 24 to 26, I won't read all of it, but it says, and I've mentioned it earlier, it says, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. It goes on to essentially say that if we love our life, we will lose it, but if we hate our life here, we will gain eternal life. And then right at the end, it says something that's actually very uncomfortable. It's verse 26, it says, if anyone serves me, this is Jesus, let him follow me and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So in this passage, first Jesus is speaking about himself in that he needs to die to produce. And that's, that sounds great because we, we would like that because now, now we don't have to suffer our, our punishment. But then he gives us this invite which is uncomfortable and he says, follow me. And if we are to live a praise-filled life, we need to follow him to death. Die to ourselves and live a life that is honoring to him. So my third point is God is looking for people who trust him. Proverbs three, verses five to seven say this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Verse seven ends off saying, do not be wise in your own eyes. If who we trust determines who we worship, then wouldn't it just be natural that we should be trusting God with all of our heart? If we want to worship him, we need to trust him. We need to trust him with all of our heart. And as we worship him, we start to realize that we, we don't want to lean on our own understanding. Our understanding is partial, incomplete, and insufficient. His understanding is far exceeding what we can even begin to comprehend. In all of our ways, we should acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. Before I get to that, I want to reiterate this, that trust in God is what opens a supernatural grace and ability to live like Jesus. And if we truly trust the Lord, we will give the Lord right of way and right of his timing in our lives. I've learned in life that Jesus is never early nor late, he's always just right on time. The problem with his right on time is it tends to make us sweat a little bit. Um, but it's always the perfect time. And if we are willing to praise until midnight, and we are willing to praise even though there doesn't seem to be breakthrough, we're willing to praise, uh, often we use the term that the Lord opened a door for us. If we're willing to praise while we're still walking through the hallway and all the doors we walk past seem shut, if we're willing to do that, you will see 
that as we submit to him, it will be better than our own plans. It thirdly states, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. In English, we see the word acknowledge as to say, I notice that you're there, I acknowledge that I acknowledge you, I see your presence, or I acknowledge what you did, I see that you've done that and I take note, essentially. But the word that was used here originally, that was translated as the word acknowledge, didn't mean that. It meant something closer to this, to come to know in an experiential and intimate way. So I'm going to rephrase it a little bit to make it a bit easier. To personally know and intimately experience. So let's reread that passage. In all your ways, come to know and personally experience him, and he shall direct your paths. Does that not change the meaning of that passage? Suddenly it's not, I'm doing what I want, and Lord, please bless it. But it suddenly means, in what I need to do, and you see this thing before you, Lord, what are your ways concerning this? What do you say about this, and how am I meant to respond to this? Lord, walk with me. Lord, help me. It's kind of, as we go through life, when, when you're 18, you go, Mom, what do you know? And then when you're 28, you go, Mom, what do you know? <laughs> Grammar is very important. Um, <laughs> And we need to personally experience God, coming to intimately know him and his ways. Let us not be wise in our own eyes. Let us not lose the fascination with who God is, with his grandeur, with the fact that he's with us even though, and he wants to be with us daily, moment by moment, even though he's God of all things. He's above all things and he's sovereign, and yet he wants to have a personal relationship with us. Let us praise and worship him in all that we do, irrespective of circumstance, because our praise and worship has, again, as I said, nothing to do with the circumstance. We don't trust or have faith in the circumstance around us or what we see around us. We have faith in who God is. So 2 Timothy 2, verses three and four say this. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I don't know, that doesn't seem to be on my bucket list, naturally. Like, you read that and I, I, maybe someone's going, he misread that. He said, you mustn't endure. But it says, you, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Then continues and says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Sometimes those stocks that keep our feet bound in that prison, we put them on. We put them on because we got too distracted with the cares of this world. They choked up our faith. They choked up that seed that was planted into our heart. If you have placed stocks on your feet as a result of being entangled with the affairs of this life, as we end off this morning, I'm gonna pray for you that those stocks be taken off. But now here's the thing, 
don't go back to it. Sometimes we do what we do because we know what we know. And uh, there's this one quote that I remember, I used to really dislike it, I was about 14, 15, and I just didn't like this quote. And uh, because it, it placed responsibility on me, and at that age you don't like that, right? And it was, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. So if you don't seek the Lord with all that, with all that you are, and you, purpose, you don't purpose in your heart to really die to self, and give him all that you are, you always get what you always got. But if today you decide, I'm laying it all down, and I'm saying yes, Lord, not maybe, not later. By the way, delayed obedience is still disobedience. It's just disobedience with a change of heart. And um, not later, Lord, but yes, Lord, you will see how things will change in your heart. So let us not grow weary of doing good. Let's not grow weary of not entangling ourselves with those things. But let us run this race with endurance. Let us forget what lay behind us. Don't beat yourself up about those things, but know that when you come to Christ, you do live differently. They no longer entangle you. But instead, strain forward toward the upward call of God in Christ. So if you can please stand. And as you stand, I'm going to pray and then also read the lyrics of a song to you. But know that this year won't be perfect, and this year will have ups and it will have downs. But God has you in the palm of his hands. And God's plans for you are better than your own, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is a good, perfect father. He watches over you, he's at your right hand, he watches your going out and your coming in. He's at your right hand by day and by night. He, ne he neither sleeps nor slumbers. He does not grow weary. And when you grow weary, come to him. He will get you through that which you need to get through. So use every opportunity to praise him. Use every opportunity to glorify him. And I want to just mention this for some people. God is greater. He's greater than your job situation. Perhaps you, you haven't had a job for a while. He's greater if you're a student than that subject that somehow you keep failing. That was Afrikaans for me. Um, he's greater. <laughs> you know how, Jesus, how I know Jesus lives? I passed my trick Afrikaans. Um, <laughs> he's greater than any hardship you may be going through. If you're struggling with something that you need healing, he's greater. If you've been struggling for that thing, with that thing for years, he's greater. He's greater than any heartache that you may have. There's no heartache too deep that the healing salve of his hand cannot touch you there. He's greater than any loss you might have experienced, and he's faithful to give you more than what the locusts have stolen. He's greater than any hardship that you will ever come across. So I'm gonna read these lyrics to you. It says, I've got one response. I've got just one move. With my arms stretched wide, I will worship you. So I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again because all that I have is a hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And I know that it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah. So let's close our eyes. Thank you, Father, that we can say hallelujah because we know that you are the beginning and end. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are almighty and you are sovereign. You are bigger than anything we may face, but you are also our good Father. And Lord, I pray for anyone, and I specifically feel to, to pray for this, and I know it's a sensitive topic, so I don't, I don't say it just because. I pray for anyone who their greatest desire is to have children. And I ask, Father, will you intervene? Will you bring it about in those families' lives? And as you do, Lord, may they praise you. I pray that they'll praise you in the hallway. They'll praise you in the darkness. They'll praise you until midnight. And Lord, I ask that our fascination with you will never wane and our fascination with you uh, will, will never be lost. But instead, Lord, I ask right now that you will reignite us with this fascination with God Almighty that nothing else will distract us, but instead, Lord Jesus, with a relentless focus and desire, may we seek and pursue you. And I ask, Lord, that we will have hearts that will be ignited for you, that the cares of this world will not distract us, but instead we will know that God is with us. May you set us ablaze so that others will see us burn. And Lord, may your name be glorified in all that we do. Lord, we give you a hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus Christ. We lift up your most holy name, Jesus. And together we all said, amen.